0: week we talked about being careful with what we looked at. And today we're going to talk about being careful how we look at the world around us. And there's so many examples of that. Have you ever made a judgment on someone by the way they look? Sure you have. Mitch is wearing a University of Georgia emblem on his shirt. <laughs> and I'm offended by that, to tell you the truth. No, I'm really not. Bill is wearing a shorter college tie today. That doesn't, nobody knows what that is, so nobody here, so that's It's, it's an interesting world we live in that we can look at someone and make a snap judgment just about what they're wearing or what they're not wearing or, well, we have to be careful how we look at people and how we're going to judge them on so many barriers. I have a nice pair of sunglasses that I lose a lot. <laughs> Jeannie's shaking her head as I speak. Uh, we were headed after Christmas to see the mother in Mississippi and I found them. And I was wearing them driving on I-20. And I commented to Jeannie, look at the paint on that car. Isn't that the coolest paint job you've ever, one of those color changing paint jobs on a car? And she couldn't see it. And then I took my glasses, it wasn't the color at all, it was the lenses on my glasses. And I was wondering how she couldn't see it and she was worried that I could see it. And it was the lenses. Makes the sky look different, you, you've worn them. But I was looking at the world through a different filter, a special lens. As Christians, isn't that our job to look at the world through different eyes? For instance, when we look at people, we're supposed to look at them as God's creation, as brothers and sisters, as those that Christ died for. But sometimes, we look at people as, well, I've got to be careful with my words. We're in church. We look at people as less than ideal, as a waste, as not worth our time. I read the other day that some people are a lot like slinkies. Remember slinkies? This is not good, but it says, they're no fun until you push them down the stairs. Uh, And while I wouldn't go that far, I don't recommend them. We have to be careful how we look at everyone. Let's pray. Lord, God, help us with our lenses, with our eyes. The way we view situations, the way we view people, the way we view events need to be all taken into consideration with your will and your love and your grace. And we need plenty of that. So, Father, as we look at your word today, open our eyes. Not just now forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Acts chapter 9 is a great place to begin, a very familiar story with a man who changed the way he saw immediately. You know Saul, and as it goes, it says he was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's Father. He went to the high priest, he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found them there. He wanted to bring the men, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Who are you? Lord, Saul asked. And the voice replied, I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city. You'll be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless. They heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. And Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand of Damascus that he remained there blind for three days. He didn't eat orchard. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. In verse 13, we see Ananias has some lenses on his eyes. He's about to argue. But Lord is there. I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. That includes me. Ananias didn't want to help him. <clears throat> I understand Ananias' point. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul as my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. It's always important to know when we're looking at somebody, God has a plan for them. We might not know it, but he does. And we need to take that in. Just in a sight. Verse 17. So Ananias went and found Saul, laid his hands on him, and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and he was baptized. Verse 18 is perfect, isn't it? Instantly. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized. Saul had to learn how to see all over again, not in the medical sense, but in the spiritual sense. That ever happened to you? It likely has. I remember having very strong opinions about certain people. And then God showed me A new way to look at them. I grew up with short hair. Largely have always had short hair. I never approved of boys with long hair as if they needed my approval. They didn't. And then my son went to college. And I couldn't chase him around with scissors. And he came home one time after several weeks And it was, Jeannie, where was it? It was about shoulder length. You ever had something like that happen to you? Now, I loved my son, still do. And so therefore, I had to learn to love boys with long hair. And then when our church did an Easter passion play, he was the perfect role for Jesus. And so I didn't mind it at all at Easter. It was fine. But I went from, well, you dirty hippie, to, well, I guess I have to love you. And I know that's silly and trite, but we all have our examples. And in, in, in Indiana, I coach high school soccer. And I also, with the boys with the long hair, didn't really approve of boys with earrings. And then Ben came to practice with an earring. And evidently, it was so painful that Ben flinched so much when they went to put in his earring, it ended up in his eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> and so gets to practice Ben and I had a little talk about his new earring and I said Ben I'm so glad you have a handle on your head now that I can pull you around the top. he kind of looked at me and I had to learn that I could love people with earrings in the wrong place because I already loved Ben and so then the question came, well, if he'd have had it first, would I have loved him in the first place? And that's a sad question to even ask it? Because God made, you don't know Ben, but God made him, didn't he? Shouldn't I love Ben? Shouldn't you? It doesn't matter what he looks like. And then Kyle came to soccer practice with blue hair. <laughs> The only blue-haired I never loved to that point was Aunt Vida, but that's just the way she (laughs) looked. My prejudice. Have no leg to stand on. Not one. Not one. It's not a new problem judging people how they look. James chapter 2. Look what happened in the early church. My dear brothers and sisters, How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person but you say to the poor one, you stand over there, I'll sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? So suppose they come in with blue hair or an earring in their eye or or whatever. We have to be careful. So how can we do better? Are you as flawed as I am? Do you have some of these problems as well? Or have you had to deal with them over time? Yes. Okay, thank you. How can we do better? How can we always see the way that God wants us to? the answer is very simple and it's very difficult we have to see God first we have to see God first everywhere we go in everything we do we need to know that God is right there with us and when we are aware that God is with us we tend to do better don't we but there's a big problem with this we forget as ridiculous as that sounds, we forget times that God is with us. And that's not a new problem. Genesis 28. Jacob left Beersheba, went towards Herod. He came to a certain place, stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed. He dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top reaching heaven. Angels of God were ascending and descending on it and the Lord stood beside him and said I am the Lord the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac The land on which you lie, I'll give to you and to your offspring Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you'll spread abroad to the west, east, north, and south And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring Know that I'm with you. I'll keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until what I've done, what I've promised you. And then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. What's interesting here is Jacob has stolen his brothers Esau inheritance from his father Isaac. And Jacob's running away from his family called these a And God appears to him, not to condemn him, but to bless him, to reveal a wonderful plan. But I love what Jacob said in verse 16. Surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. Jacob forgot. I've done the same. So have you. So we must learn how to see, to learn how to see, we have to begin with the fact that God is always with us, watching us, teaching us, encouraging us, empowering us to do better. Want to feel better about your failures? This uh, this New Testament story makes me feel better about me. Luke 9, 51-56. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he's headed to the cross. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of him, and on their way they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because his faith was set towards Jerusalem. So Jesus had had a great relationship with the Samaritan people. He made the good Samaritan a hero in the story that we still tell to this day. He had a revival with a woman at the well in the Samaritan village. So Jesus had been so good to them, but they're not letting him into their village, right? James and John, sons of thunder, were with Jesus. And it says in verse 54 when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and just wipe them all out? (laughs) Does that give comfort to anybody but me? (laughs) That James and John lived with Jesus three years. They've just been on the Mount of Transfiguration. They've seen amazing things and they're still horribly flawed. Ever wished you could call fire down from heaven? Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing the answer they got. He turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another thing. I wonder if Jesus said word. Or if he just made them look. You know the He just shook his head. They still needed help in how to see. After walking with Jesus three years. No matter how long you walk with Jesus, if you're a Christian, we still need help, don't we? In order. To see the way you should. Remember God is always with you. And we remember that. We'll do better Let's pray.